Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and welcome back to another Housing Matters Podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm your Deputy Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by my colleague, Oscar Way, who's our Senior Economist and our Director of Research. Hey, Oscar. Hi, everyone. Hi, Jordan. It's nice to be back and you know have another episode about our uh, Housing Matters Podcast. I know it's uh, almost the end of the year. We do want to share um, more information about the uh, current housing market conditions as well as the economy. That's right. I thought it would be good to do like a, a year-end kind of review episode and uh, just be grateful for the fact that this is now almost our, our fourth year of consecutive Housing Matters podcasts. We're on episode 79 and uh, what a fourth year it's been. We kind of started off the year with a bang. We actually, 2020 was going to be a, a really strong year. We came into the, the housing market with things growing. Prices were uh, growing as well and, and rates were on their way uh, down. Of course, we then had the, the, you know, kind of upending of all of that in the end of February with COVID. Yeah, I think we were very, very positive at the beginning of the year, and then it hit. I remember, you know, I did a presentation in, in February, and we talked about, we briefly touched on you know, COVID at that time, and I even said, uh, it's going to be okay. You know, it may actually have a little bit of an effect on the stock market and the housing market, but uh, just like, you know, what we saw maybe a few years ago on SARS, uh, it's probably not going to have a significant impact on the housing market, and of course, that was wrong. Yeah, and and you know the the numbers were uh, pretty pretty high, and and we had to shut down. We had the Fed jumping through all kinds of hoops. On top of that, this was a presidential election year, just That's to right. complicate matters uh, even more. Of course, you know we had a, a pretty pretty dry spell there for uh, for March, April, and even into May. But then we started to have a really strong rebound in our in our sector, right? Our industry uh, was one of the bright spots for for the economy. And then before you know it, we're we're sitting here in December uh, with lots to digest about what happened and and maybe some insights about what to expect in 2021 that we'll share at the end in terms of our our upcoming uh, report. We'll give you a little sneak peek so that you know how we're how we're fish, finishing up 2020. Absolutely. I think uh, you nailed it right there. You know, second half of the year was really, really nice, was really, really strong for the housing market. But we do have a lot of other stuff that we do want to kind of, um, you know, pick the areas to, to discuss a little bit on. And uh, we, we listed uh, a few items that we want to talk about, you know, during uh, today's podcast. Um, maybe uh, we can start off with maybe just uh, like what we normally do a little bit about COVID. Yeah, let's do a, a quick update on the COVID numbers because I think that it's important just to get a sense of, of where we are because I think that especially now with the the end in sight, you know, our CEO Joel Singer talked about how um, you know the the 
the light is definitely there at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines on the way. And, and those are already actually rolling out to the highest priority folks. But we've still got uh, a period of time between now and then uh, to when we can really kind of turn the page. And, and unfortunately, in the interim, you know, the, the numbers look like things are, are going to be getting worse before they eventually start to get better. And you see that um, nationwide with, uh, you know, the numbers that are um, I guess almost 17 million confirmed cases are actually wow. a little bit more than 17 million now nationwide uh, compared to, and that's, I guess, over five and a half million more than, than where we were just a month or so uh, ago with over 310,000 people having, having died. And we see that those numbers are going up and reflected here in California as well. Significantly. Yeah. I mean, in California, um, we have what uh, recently, you know, if you just take a look of daily number of cases, uh, we talked about it earlier. It's over 30,000 new cases on a daily basis. Yeah, and, I think 35,000 on Saturday. Very significant. And because of, you know, how many cases we have on a daily basis right now, you know, for the state as a whole, so far, a number of positive cases throughout the last, what, nine months, 10 months or so, it's over 1.6 million. Yeah, that's pretty significant. And you mentioned about, you know, death toll earlier, you know, for the state as a whole. Of course, one is too many. But on a daily basis, we're registering maybe about 140, 150 new deaths on a daily basis. Um, that means, you know, uh, for the last uh, nine, 10 months, we have already accumulated about what, 21, 22,000 number of deaths. Just, um, that's too many. Just a lot, you know, and, and when you think about it from the standpoint of the housing market and, and the economy, right, I think that um, that's, you know, the reason why that matters is because that's what forces the state's hand in terms of clamping down on economic activity, right. which is ultimately what's going to filter through to to us in in the real estate sector. You know, it's not just the uh, the COVID numbers in and of themselves. And so, you know, although we definitely have that encouragement, right? The the vaccine has been approved. It looks to be safe. Folks are getting it. Um, it looks to be even more efficacious than than what some of those initial estimates. I think that we're you know going to be um, you know seventy to 80% effective. And it looks like it's more like 95 uh, or even more percent effective, but we just have to uh, really hunker down, especially us in, in real estate. You know, we've got, we're an essential service and we've got a, a job to do, and we just need to make sure that we can do it safely so that the state doesn't uh, point their sights at us, if you will, because I think yeah. the, the buyers want to buy, but, but we've got to remain open for business. Yeah. It takes some time for the mass distribution of the vaccine to really uh, take into place. And we know that, as you mentioned, probably not going to have, not everyone is going to be uh, to get a vaccine until maybe end of um, um, April, May, or maybe even beginning of summer. So it's going to take some time. We definitely have to do our part in doing practicing social distancing, distancing and making sure that everything is uh, the, uh, the coronavirus is under control. Right. So that's the bad news. What about the good news? Right. Because I think that the news uh, for, you know, especially from from the standpoint of somebody who maybe wanted to get their foot on the property ladder, uh, you know, the, the interest rate story, I think, can't be overstated in terms of its effect on on the market this year. Yeah, one of the very main uh, reason why we're seeing the market so so much demand in the market right now is because yes, the economy is not has not been doing great. I mean, it's picking up some steam now, but uh, because of that reason, interest rates have been trending down. Now, uh, let me point out, you know, at the beginning of the year, 
we had maybe a 30-year fixed rate uh, registered, uh, uh, reported by Freddie Mac at around 3.7-ish or so. But uh, and 3.7 at that time was not bad, right? You know, um, That's a great rate, yeah. Yeah, but of course, for, fast forward 10 months later, things are, or 12, uh, 11 months later, things actually looked even better. Now, uh, the uh, for Freddie Mac, they report interest rates on a weekly basis. And based on what they reported um, in the last, what, 40 some weeks or so, interest rates actually have recorded, um, have, have hit their record low 14 times. <laughs> so as low as they get, they they keep going lower. I think the, the lowest we've seen so far, I don't know if this was last week or, or the week before, but we've been down to 2.71%, right. which is just... Uh, pretty, pretty incredible. We've heard of jumbos that you're able to actually buy down with a little bit of cash on points, uh, all the way down to 2.5, 2.3 even. And so, um, you know, compared to the kind of long run average for inflation, that's, that's almost uh, a 0% real interest rate there. And I think that's why you see a lot of folks who maybe were, uh, sitting on the sidelines and, and, you know, um, have decided to, to kind of make that jump into home ownership, right? That we've kind of uh, gotten people off the fence with this, this historical opportunity to, to have such a low, low cost of debt. I think that that kind of combines though with the fact that we, you know, the, one of the interesting structural changes of this crisis, I think is just how much more important our homes are to us. Um, you know, we need sometimes more office space. We might need a different kind of home, which I know we're going to talk about in a minute. But I think that um, you also just have, you know, the homes that are, are kind of more valuable to us than ever before. And I think that brings us to our next point is when you put both of those facts together, right? Low rates uh, at an even more kind of insatiable appetite for housing, you get price growth. Exactly. I mean, with people paying less uh, mortgage payment on a regular basis, and we're looking at, you know, you said 2.71, that means the difference between the beginning of the year and uh, now is about 100 basis point. That's significant, you know, uh, when it comes to mortgage payment, people could be saving what 100, 200 bucks every month, depending on, you know, how much you pay for your house. Yep. Uh, and, and today, you know, compared to uh, 10 months ago, <laughs> people were actually paying a lot more in terms of the value of the house, not necessarily mortgage payment, but the value of the house also has gone up quite a bit in the last 10, 12 months. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you think about where we started the year, right, we were uh, coming back into uh, 2020 with prices that were rising by, you know, eight, nine, 10% right. before this crisis happened. Um, and that was bringing us up to a level of about 575,000. That's where we were at the beginning of this year. Now you fast forward to uh, the height during the fall, right? And we were up above 710,000 there for a couple right. months wow. consecutively, um, which is, you know, that's a, a, a big amount of money, right? That's 150 grand just in about 10, 10 months time. And uh, it's just pretty, pretty incredible. It's significant. I think um, last year, before the end of the year, the record high median price for the state was somewhere around 617 or so. Um, but, you know, this year, just just like the interest rates, state home prices have been setting new records, you know, for months and months. I think we have set maybe three or four or five uh, new record high for the statewide median price. 
And, you know, of course, you mentioned about price appreciation in 8 and 9% at the beginning of the year. Uh, we are seeing double-digit gain on uh, statewide median price. But we have talked about this before. Some of them might have something to do with the change in the mix of sales. But nevertheless, price appreciation is real. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why, you know, the other reason why you see the the demand being so robust, right, is that folks are are seeing that prices in California um, are are a good bet from, from an investment standpoint. Now, part of the double digit growth um, is because we're we're seeing, you know, these are and we're we're venturing into kind of the super nerd territory in terms of how <laughs> how calculations are done. But when we talk about the statewide median price, it's important to note that the median price is is kind of the middle price, right? If you just laid right. out uh, from lowest to highest and you sorted all the home sales, the median is the one in the middle. Now, what that means is that if you have uh, a big change in, in kind of what's actually out there selling, that can have impacts on prices. And one of the, the things I think that we've seen is that uh, maybe maybe the Wall Street impacts, if you will, have been, um, you know, maybe much quicker to recover and and there than the maybe the main street impacts and and do you think that's why we're seeing so much activity at the top end and and what does that do to our median price and i think you're right you know that's part of the reason we are seeing a lot of you know of course the stock market has been growing i think uh, for a certain indices have been uh, setting new records and you're absolutely right you know we're seeing more be- with uh, statewide median price getting higher yeah, as I mentioned, some of it, the reason is because of the mix of sales. We are definitely seeing more sales at the high end, you know, even at the luxury end, you know, and, and the reason why we're seeing more high-end home being sold is because I think we talked about this before, we definitely have, uh, the pandemic definitely has a, a, a negative impact on the economy. There's no doubt about it. Right. But, you know, we also know that it, affect, it has been affecting the service sectors a little bit more. And for the service sectors, uh, people who work in the service sectors tend to have a uh, lower uh, income, lower salary, and that actually in turn affect the uh, housing market that has a more affordable uh, home prices. Right. Yep. And I think that that's the kind of K-shaped recovery uh, that the econ, econ nerds right. like us talk about, right? Where there's some folks who are able to continue to do their their work remotely, right? And those are our folks that are um, tend to work in, in the professional sector or office using sector, right? You can do spreadsheet work right. remotely. You can do um, economic research. There's a lot of things that, that can be Zoom done. Zoom meeting. Tech, tech sector, right? You can... Uh, right. You can sell stuff online from Amazon and, and all of that good stuff, whereas we can't do some of the basics. And so when you look at the the overall numbers and sales in California have been up by about 20% overall, but if you break that down uh, by price, you know, the the one to three million or the three million right. and up, you know, we're talking about increases of, you know, 60, 70, 90% even compared to the bottom end, which is growing uh, at a more modest, you know, 10 to 15%. Yeah, that's significant. And of course, it also reflected um, on sales. Yes, it reflected on sales. But at the same time, we know that the price growth at the high end um, tend to show that it's more uh, uh, significant compared to the low end. Part of the reason, of course, is, you know, there are the, the, you know, the people who um, purchase prices at the high end, they tend to have, be a little bit more secure as far as their job is concerned. But at the same time, I think you know we are also seeing some in, in, increase in sales in th- places like, you know, like you said, you know, the tech sectors. So in the Bay Area, 
they tend to have higher home prices. And that's why, you know, price growth, we're also seeing a little bit more price growth in some of those other areas that are uh, a little bit more, uh, less affected by right. the, uh, the pandemic. So what about what, what folks are buying? Because I think that, you know, all baked into this price question is also the, you know, it's not just the, the kind of high end versus the low end. One of the things that we've seen is that, you know, the needs that we have for our homes have changed a lot this year, right? I know that uh, one of my favorite economists from USC, Dow Myers, he's a big proponent for um, new housing supply. He had a, mm -hmm. a speech at SCAG recently where he talked about how before this crisis, he wanted to be part of the housing supply solution. And so what he did was him and his wife went and got rid of their single family home that they had raised their kids in with all the square footage and that stuff. And they bought one of those nice new uh, condos in, in downtown LA with an open plan and all of that stuff. Uh, and then enter COVID. And now they're, <laughs> they're both sitting in this open plan uh, one bedroom condo having dueling zoom meetings. And it's, it's, you know, the, the, thing that that seemed like such a great idea, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago when they made that move is all of a sudden, um, you know, a much more dubious proposition now given um, the, you know, the demands that they're placing on that home where he's teaching lectures and having uh, speeches at SCAG and she's doing her job simultaneously and they're talking over each other. But I think that's kind of a metaphor for what a lot of households um, are out there experiencing, right? And we, and we kind of see that backed up by some of the data out there that the actual uh, product mix itself, the what people need has changed. Yeah, and, and it definitely has an impact on buying behavior. When I say buying behavior, it includes consumer preferences. Um, we're talking about, you know, people uh, either moving away from, um, you know, uh, city, metro, major, but metropolitan areas, but they also are buying, let's say, uh, house with instead of an open floor plan, you know, you have a little bit more room because now you need a little bit more privacy to do your uh, office work as well as to uh, do Zoom meeting. But the other part of it is, you know, whether people are really buying bigger houses, you know, right. um, we, we looked at uh, our data, we uh, do a little bit of a drilling. We noticed that, yeah, there are some, uh, as far as, you know, if you just look at square footage, uh, square footage uh, as an indicator, it looks like in the last few months, you know, we are seeing people buying yeah, bigger houses. Right. Yeah. And I think it looks like about, you know, 120 to 150 square feet or so, which is the, you know, the median square footage increase that we've seen pretty much. Uh, concurrent with the the um, opening back up of the economy in May, right, where folks got out there and right. started buying homes again. And to me, that that seems like about a home office, right? You got about a ten <laughs> right, by 10 I know, or a ten by twelve square foot uh, space there. And and so I think that you know it's not conclusive. Um, and we will continue to survey on this preference question because I think that it's something that's still got very much. Uh, a long way to go to be worked out, right? Folks are still out there right. figuring out what they're going to do. And I think there's a lot of both pent up um, demand and supply still out there. And so I think hopefully next year, we're going to still see this play itself out. But this is definitely suggestive uh, of the fact of some permanence to this, this kind of work from home, at least at, at some level that people are, are kind of buying homes that are going to accommodate that over the longer term. Right, right. And, and, you know, of course, um, you know, there could be you know, the fact, the, the fact that, you know, it, it has gone up a little bit in terms of square footage, it may also have, uh, have to do with, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, uh, 
uh, higher end or the more luxury homes, they're probably less affected by the uh, pandemic situation. I mean, who knows whether that has an impact or not. But as you said, you know, we probably need to uh, take a look at it a little closer uh, to find out. Now, the other um, effect that I kind of mentioned earlier uh, is about uh, people moving away from city. In right. fact, there have been a lot of people moving to like resort communities. Yeah, absolutely. And some of that is, uh, you know, increased flexibility for those higher income folks. So if you look at our annual housing market survey, as an example, which Samantha did a, a great job on, and there's a lot of insights on our website that you can get at in terms of uh, who's buying what and all of that stuff. But one of the interesting things that she found in her research was that the percentage of folks who are uh, buying um, vacation and second homes actually increased in 2020 to almost 6% of, of the market. And so on the one hand, I think you have these kind of this economic tur turbulence and the stock market turbulence, which always tends to make, you know, real estate more attractive. And then you got these mm -hmm. CEOs and, and higher income earners who maybe don't have to go to the office every day and, and haven't been affected income wise. And so now we can spend a lot more time in Big Bear and Tahoe right. uh, and get that second home out there and really go hunker down uh, in in comfort, if you will, in, in some of these resort areas. And I think that that is, is some of, of what you see there. Because when you look at the, again, the overall numbers for the state as a whole, we're talking about sales going up by, you know, uh, 15, 20% or so on a year to year basis the last couple of months. But um, if you look at those resort markets, those numbers are, are like orders of magnitude larger, right? Yeah, it's much, much bigger. Um, and, you know, in the last few months or so, you know, if you just look at, you know, we, we, we handpicked a few uh, resort communities to see, you know, how much of an increase uh, they have experienced for Big Bear, for example, you know, so far for the last 10 months, 11 months or so, it has already increased by about 100%. You know, the state sales increase of 15, 10, 20% actually pale compared to those resort communities. But it's not just Big Bear, South Lake Tahoe, you know, uh, Mammoth Lake, those all increase quite impressively. And it also affects their um, price. The price growth also are seeing some 20, 30 percent increase. Um, and that's uh, it's, it's it's been going on for the last few months. So this looks like it's real, at least for the short term. Yep. Who knows what's going to happen in the long term? Right. But uh, no, I mean, pretty, pretty incredible. I mean, you think about Big Bear having basically twice as many sales this year as last year at price points that are 35% higher, or, um, you know, or 25% higher. It's just uh, absolutely uh, incredible. Well, what about, you know, I got, I got asked about this on a, on a, outreach the other day is, is, you know, what's, what's up with the supply side? And I know we're going to get into that, but, but they asked, is this 2009 all over again, where it's just investor driven, right? And everybody's coming in and gobbling up all of the available inventory to, to use as, as rentals. And again, I would point to our annual housing market survey, right? Because that does not seem to be borne out by the data, which I think makes sense when you scratch under the surface there. Yeah, I mean, I think we we talked about this in the past. Uh, investors are kind of holding back for now. And why are they holding back? You know, because there are still a lot of uncertainty about, you know, the renters market, the rentals market, yeah. about the eviction moratorium. Of course, I know we have the mortgage moratorium at the same time, but eviction moratorium, at least through the beginning of next year, maybe February or so, but some other counties maybe even further out. Um, and, and, you know, because of the eviction moratorium, that means landlords 
they're not able to, they may not be able to recover the rent. Uh, and so that put them into a situation where they might have to think twice before buying. Right. And yeah, the, nobody wants to be in a situation where you got to foreclose on your rental property because you're not able to make your own mortgage payment because the rents aren't aren't coming in. I think, you know, even more fundamentally, we're, we're um, you know, is the result of the, the kind of nature of the downturn, right? We talked about the K-shaped uh, right. nature of the downturn. And unfortunately, that's the segment that are um, disproportionately renters, right? That segment of the workforce. And so uh, again, know, yeah. um, the, the outlook, I think, for rentals has been more impacted than the outlook for home ownership. And and so, um, you know, the, the good news is if it, if it is an investor sales, though, it means that we had, um, you know, retail home buyers, right? The owner occupants. And, and that is a good thing from the standpoint of, of home ownership. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's, it's also incumbent on us to, to talk about the, the international, right? Because that's another question that I get asked all the time, right? Is, is, is the inventory then maybe folks who are just pouring in from outside of California? And is that the big reason why um, we're, we're seeing prices go up so much and there is an inventory? And, and again, it, it seems like that that has a similar story to the investor story, right? It does have a similar story uh, as the uh, investor stories, um, but and and they're actually behaving um, very different compared to you know last time when we had a recession, right? You know, last time recession, um, international. Remember, last time when we had an, a recessions, home prices dropped quite significantly, and a lot of international buyers came in, purchased a lot of properties. And in a way, it helps you know to you know keep the uh, market from dropping further. This time around, it's a little different. If you look at the survey, the same survey, the annual housing market survey, uh, it suggests that international buyers actually have dropped to some of the lowest point that we have seen in the last what ten years, uh, twelve years or so. It used to be somewhere around like eight percent of the sales being right. international buyers. Now it's below two percent. That's very significant. Um, and I think part of the reason is, and, and um, you probably have already answered, you know, your, uh, the, the person who answered the, to ask the questions about why, why are international buyers not buying right now? And I think there are a couple of reasons. Um, for one thing, you know, the share drop, partly because uh, a lot of, we have a lot of domestic buyers who take advantage of the low interest rates. Right. International buyers, they don't typically take advantage of, you know, the low interest rates because a lot of them pay cash. Correct. But the other part of it is, of course, the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of people are traveling abroad and doing all kinds of uh, showings in other countries to look at properties and things like that when um, you're you're stuck in, in quarantine. The other thing, the kind of common thread, I think, between investors uh, and international buyers is that they love bargains, right? And, and as right. we mentioned before, uh, prices this time around were at all time high uh, <laughs> right. levels. And so I think that that is, is another, you know, common um, trait that they could, uh, could toast about maybe if you got the international buyers and the investors together is that they buy when there's a lot of bargains and then they, they maybe pump the brakes a little bit when prices are, um, are, are looking a little frothy. And so, um, exactly. But, exactly. but what's interesting though, is that even with fewer international buyers and fewer investors, we still have uh, no inventory out there, right? And supply is dropping off uh, precipitously for my my money, I think that uh, the supply issue, even beyond the COVID and all the other stuff, is going to be the challenge for us moving forward. We have a lot of momentum going into 2021, 
Um, and I just worry about it butting up against this, this really tight inventory. Um, tell us how tight it really is. Yeah, it has always been a concern. Tight supply has always been a concern. Even before, you know, the beginning of this year, we have been dropping 20 some percent on a year over year basis, even for February and uh, for January and February. But when we had the um, uh, coronavirus, people started actually, sellers or homeowners started actually stop putting things on uh, the uh, multiple listing service. And as a result, uh, as far as the active listings are concerned, we new active, list, uh, active listings are concerned, we have been dropping about 40 plus percent on a year over year basis. At one point, we actually dropped more than 50%. That means, yes, we have more demand this year, at least in the second half of the year, and we have half the supply that we had last year. And I think that's that's another reason why even without the mix of sales thing, right? Even if we took out all those multi-million dollar home sales that we had, we still would have seen price growth in the kind of eight to 9% range right. this year uh, or during at least during the second half of the year. And, and, and you see that this is all really just a, a hyper competitive market. When you have more people that wanna buy and fewer things to sell those buyers, um, you, you see it in pretty much every measure of market competitiveness, right? right? The homes are selling quickly, the discounting, all of that stuff points to a market that is very, very competitive. Yeah, a lot of competitiveness, even as of now. I mean, we are looking at off season right now uh, during the holidays, and we're still seeing significant increase in uh, demand but not a whole lot of supply. And that actually leads to a lot of market competitiveness that may actually go on to you know, the upcoming year, especially since we expect interest rates to continue to stay low. And that means what? That means sellers, <laughs> they're in a good position. Absolutely. And I think that that is, you know, we talk about pent up uh, demand, but I think there might be some pent up supply that could come back around next year that, you know, hopefully will uh, enable us to get to that five or 6% growth levels that we're talking about in our, in our forecast for sales, right, is, is because, um, you know, I, I, A, I think the reason why they're not selling is because you can't have people coming in and out of your house right now, but also because I think there's a conventional wisdom that says, you know, times of economic distress or recession maybe isn't the best time to to sell your home. And yet when you look at the competitiveness numbers, it suggests that it is a great time to sell your home. And I think that eventually sellers are going to start to come around. A, you know, people will have the vaccine, so we don't have to be scared about people coming in and out of our houses anymore. And B, they're going to see how their neighbors have been able to sell their homes so quickly uh, right. and for such good price when they go on and look at Zillow or wherever to see the, the price of their neighbor's house. And we see that in our data, right? The, the sellers who did put their homes on the market this year uh, did pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we look at, you know, the uh, median net cash gain, how much they gain from, you know, their, uh, from the purchase price, you know, this year, you know, on, on, on average, a typical buyer actually make about 210,000, 210,000, you know, from, from selling their home. So it's very good to be a sellers because that actually is the highest that we have had, we have seen in at least in the last 15, 16 years. So, I mean, and of course, I thought, I know, you know, we are still seeing some uh, momentum in price in uh, uh, going into 2021. Um, but, you know, like I said, you know, this is a good opportunity for people to sell. 
Um, you mentioned earlier about why people may actually not be, or homeowners may not be putting how, how, uh, up their, their house up on the market. Yep. Uh, you mentioned a couple of reasons. Let me add one more. And that is, I understand a lot of repeat buyers, um, a lot of people want to buy. There's an increase in demand and um, homeowners, current homeowners, they're also repeat buyers. Yep. And of course, they want, some of them do want to sell. But a lot of time, the reason why people are uh, buying is because they want to take advantage of the interest rates, right? right. For homeowners, they can also take advantage of the interest rate by refinancing. I right. think that might be one reason why you're not seeing or we're not seeing as many repeat buyers uh, as uh, we would like to see. Um, and who knows, 2021, uh, there might be a change in 2021 when we have the vaccine. Absolutely. And I, I, I love your optimism. And I think that, you know, the... <laughs> The fact that sellers are also buyers um, is an important point. A, there's not the sense of urgency because you can just lock in the low rate on a refi right now and kind of camp out and wait and see what happens. Um, you know, but B, you've got to have a house you want to move into, right? And that's, right, that's right. That's another exactly. part of it. Even if you can get a, a boatload of money for your current house, a $210,000 uh, net cash gain, if you don't have a unit that you can go out there and put that money down on and actually get the house, then, um, you know, that's that's a challenge. And I think that with, uh, you know, Prop 19 having passed and folks no longer facing a property tax penalty for moving, um, that will give folks the kick in the pants a little bit more on the, on the sell side. But I think even more importantly, hopefully what it does is it motivates builders to really start catering some new projects towards this uh, market segment so that we can free up those those kind of family homes that they've lived in for many years and decades uh, and everybody wins, right? The, the seniors get right. into a house that works better for them. Those families that want to get a foot on the property ladder uh, are able to take those homes and then that frees up that kind of entry level for, for the new home buyers and things like that. And so um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic when you look at our, our data for you know, where we're going to close out. This will be our last press release of the year here in a couple of days, but right. the numbers are still very optimistic and suggest that we're uh, on a good wicket, as they would say in my wife's uh, home country of South <laughs> Africa, for things to improve, right? Because we're still seeing that double-digit pace in both sales and price. We are seeing very strong sales you know, in sales and price, as you mentioned. Um, and and we're looking at uh, a level of sales that we haven't seen in the last 15 years. Um, we haven't seen um, sales, you know, uh, crossing the 500,000 for quite some time. And, you know, when by the time when we release this uh, uh, podcast, uh, you see those numbers actually seeing some numbers that we haven't seen in the last 15 years. But not only that, we're still uh, seeing home prices very close to that uh, record high number that we uh, reached a couple months ago, uh, close to 700,000. Um, and it's all because of, of course, tight supply uh, and also because of um, you know, market competitiveness. It's very um, difficult to really picture you know, how, how, how um, good the market is at the end of this time of the year. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, normally the markets, uh, people are packing it in, right? And think, starting to think about holidays and business planning for next year. And and it doesn't seem like our members are even getting a moment to breathe during the holidays because they're just doing uh, so much business. Another, you know, critical and, and kind of um, 
crazy point to highlight is that we're we're basically ahead now, you know, of, <laughs> right. of 2019's pace. So even with the double digit employment, even with losing basically two months of market activity when we were completely locked down as the buying season was supposed to have been getting underway, we still, you know, bounced back all the way and plus some uh, by November so that we're, we're now had more home sales this year than we even had last year when we were at all time low levels of unemployment and rates were actually still pretty low last year too. Yeah, definitely. And we're looking at, you know, uh, as far as rates are concerned, um, I know in our forecast, we mentioned that it's probably going to stay pretty consistent with what we're seeing right now. And for the next few months, to be honest, I think, uh, we, we may see a little bit of increase in rates uh, towards the end of next year, but for yeah. the next few months, you know, because of the economic conditions, because of uh, things are being still uncertain, uh, I think we're still going to see some low rates uh, below 3% for the next few months or so. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's still going to be, you know, I don't think uh, buyer demand is going to be the issue moving forward. For me, it's it's all about where we can get those listings from and, and hopefully to get that new uh, inventory built. So I think that, uh, you know, the moral of the story is that we have a lot of, of optimism for the future. We've got a lot of momentum going into mm -hmm. to 2021. And, and we've got a light at the end of the tunnel on, on the health front. And I think the, the best thing that we can do is to, uh, you know, continue to keep that foot on the accelerator, at, you know, in the real estate industry, because I think there is still, you know, a lot of headwinds out there on the health front. And we've got to make it from, from here to there. And so, um, you know, we can, we can be optimistic about all the conditions pointing in the right way, but I would just urge us to uh, have a very uh, safe and healthy holiday um, and, to, uh, and to enjoy all that we have to be grateful for this year. It was a, a crazy year, but those of us in, in the real estate business have had um, you know, the, the V-shaped recovery out of all sectors. And, and so I think we can all uh, be thankful for that. Did we miss anything important, Oscar? I think we covered everything. I just want to make sure that, you know, everyone uh, hearing our podcast know that, you know, we will continue to you know, keep you guys updated. Uh, we are very, very close to the end. As Jordan mentioned, uh, just make sure you stay safe and healthy and we'll get there. That's right. And this will be our final podcast for 2020. So thank you so much for listening and for all the support. Uh, we hope you had a great year and we look forward to being back with you in January. All right. Have a good one. See you on the next one.